You're listening to the Staffing and Recruiter Training Podcast, hosted by industry expert, speaker, and sales trainer, Scott Love. Hey everyone, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me again on another episode of the Staffing and Recruiter Training Podcast. Have you ever felt like this business is one of the toughest ways to make a decent living? But I gotta tell you, it's the easiest way to make an amazing living. And you and I both know when it's good, it's really, really good. And when it's bad, it is really, really bad. And in this podcast, I'm going to play an excerpt from a recent coaching club program where I talk about the seven-step daily motivation ritual. You can change how you feel just by changing your thoughts. I'm going to share with you some insight. Hopefully, it'll make a difference for you. After that, we're going to have one of my favorite people in the business, Joe Ankes, share some insights. Joe is featured every month on the coaching club, and he's someone that I've got a lot of respect for someone that's been in the business a long time that understands that it's hard sometimes, and he's going to share some insight and things that I think will make your life a lot easier. But first, let me give a quick shout-out to some people I'm doing some work with. I wanted to say thank you to TechUSA for bringing me in two years in a row at your amazing annual sales meeting. Thanks for that. To Jason Leverant for having me at your annual franchise meeting, and Marty and David Luttrell at your at-work staffing annual franchise in January. I'm going to be doing some work in Detroit with Movement Search and Delivery and in Cleveland with Delta Diversified in March. If you're a member of the American Staffing Association, sign up through them for my five weekly seminars. I'm calling March Money Month uh, specifically for salespeople that sell staffing services and their managers. Later on in March, I'll be at the National Association of Legal Search Consultants annual conference in Florida. In late March, early April, I'll see all of my friends again for my third presentation for National Personnel Associates. If you're a member of Management Recruiters, I've been booked for four of the regionals in the United States, Scottsdale, Fort Wayne, Indiana, New Jersey, and Jacksonville. If you're in Birmingham, Alabama, look for me April 22nd at your annual conference in the spring, and then it'll be one of my umpteenth appearances at California Staffing Professionals, May 19th, around that time, down in Palm Desert. And then so far, that's what we have on the books. Also in October, I just got booked for Top Echelon, so I'm excited to come back again to speak at their conference. And then November 12th, if you're in Eastern Europe, come and see me in Brno for Evolve 2016 in the Czech Republic. That's it so far, and it's just mid-February. I'm just getting started, baby. If you're part of a trade group, I'd love to talk to you about coming and speaking to your group. If you own a search firm or a staffing agency, call me directly about me coming into your office, even for a couple of hours. I'd love to work with you. I always say that when somebody brings me in once, it's just the beginning of a relationship. And someone said, how would you describe yourself as a speaker? And I said, I'm kind of a mixture between Wayne Dyer and Brian Tracy. I'm going to give people tactical ideas that can make it a lot easier for them to be successful. But you know, it's not all about the money. You've got to have that balance. I really believe that recruiting and staffing sales, it's a personal development opportunity disguised as a job. The more you grow in your character, the more you grow in your, in your spirit, in your soul, you're going to attract people to you. The more you grow in your personal discipline, you're going to perform at a peak level. Everything can be summed up in these three areas influence, resilience, and achievement. That's what our business is all about. So let's take a quick break, and then I'll come back and play the excerpt on the seven-step daily motivation ritual, and then we'll hear from Joe Ankins. If you own or manage a recruiting firm, do you ever get tired of training the revolving door of recruiters? Are you disappointed with the performance results of your team? Do you wish your recruiters could finally develop consistent and higher levels of production? Then delegate your training to Scott Love. 
through his multi-million dollar interactive online training platform. He can show your recruiters how to close more deals in less time with higher fees. Visit RecruiterVT.com for a free demo today. What I'm going to talk about today is what I call the seven-step daily motivation ritual, which is designed to help you put yourself in a state of performance. But I want to do a survey. If you can email me, what is that one thing on your desk that depletes you of all energy? Is it a counteroffer? Is it a bad client? Is it a candidate that just doesn't return your calls? Nobody's, I'm not going to mention names here. I'm just kind of curious. What are those things that keep you from performing at an optimal level? Just email it to me, scott at scottlove.com. And by the way, I, don't, I only have one question that was called in, or excuse me, uh, emailed in at the end of the last coaching club seminar or, or a weekly call. So I'll, I'll do that. But if you've got any other issues, just email me what your issue is. I'll read it out. If you want to talk about it, let me know, and I'll unmute you. <clears throat> and so my email is scott at scottlove.com. But if you could email me, just a quick, informal, non-scientific, confidential survey. I'm not going to mention your name. What's that one thing in our business that depletes you of all energy? For me, it's working on something that doesn't bear fruit. When I spend time working, especially on the client side, and I've kind of mixed up my model, but when all I was doing was client-facing search, that would be the one thing, even if it was a retainer, knowing that I'm, I'm working on a search that probably will never close. I've had some searches where I worked on where the seventh, the eighth, the ninth person I've talked to said the same thing about the leader of that firm. I don't want to work there because of this. And I realize if these people have told me this, everybody else has also. I don't think I'm going to be able to work on this anymore. But anyways, email me, scott at scottlove.com, and I'll talk about some of the challenges that you guys have in common with each other. Now this, uh, what I call a seven-step daily motivation ritual, I, did, I created this as a way to give me more energy and bounce back quickly. I promise you this, this business of executive search of recruiting, it's filled with adversity every single day. There is no other business where you can make the kind of money that we make doing anything else. It doesn't require a medical degree or a law degree. You can work for a very good, well-managed search firm and make more than all the executives that you're placing, all of your clients, by working very well. And that's the brass ring that we all shoot for, that we all aim for. But this business also has a way of depleting you of energy. The work itself, I believe, depletes you. That's why you need to re rebuild those reserves by spending time with other people in the business, by continuing your education, by reading, by doing things differently, by resting. I have started making it an, an intentional break every single weekend. I don't even think about the business. I write my goals down probably Friday afternoon, maybe, you know, or definitely Sunday night, but I just take a two-day break away from the business. I don't even think about it. And then you get a lot more horsepower that way when you come back to it. But imagine this, and this, you've, you may have heard me talk about the seven-step daily motivation ritual before, but it goes something like this. What happens as soon as you make a placement? or you feel amazing, what's the next thing you should do as soon as you make a placement or close a deal, make another call? Why is that? Well, the call is going to be better. Well, what's changed? Has your domain knowledge increased? Has your skill improved? No. What's different is the emotion. So 
we should all agree then that the emotion changes and affects how we perform. And if you don't believe me, think of Olympic athletes. They put themselves in a mental state of performance before they go into the field. High-performing athletes invest heavily in performance coaches, uh, uh, sports psychologists, people that can keep them in the zone. And really what that is is it's managing their emotions. This recruiting is a performance-based business. You can't hide. There's advantages and disadvantages with that. But the advantage is it forces you to perform at your peak performance level every single day. So imagine that you closed a deal. How do you feel about that? You feel excited. You feel invincible. You feel unstoppable. What's the next thing you should do? Make another call. What if I gave you a pill that would change your state to where you felt like you just made a placement? And it's so funny. Whenever I speak at conferences, I'll have a vitamin in my pocket. And when I talk about this, I'll say, I actually sell these pills from the back of my car down from the trunk of my car down by the river for $35 a pill. And, and people kind of laugh, and some people are thinking, is he serious? I'm like, relax. It's just a vitamin. Don't get excited. But what if you could take a pill and instantly change how you felt? Woo-hoo, I just made it. I just feel like I made a placement. Get me on the phone. And that's exactly what you can do by changing what you think about. Your mind is a chemical factory, and if you change your thoughts a certain way, you will feel differently. And this is something I came up with for myself. If you've known me for a long time, and I know we've got a lot of people that have been with me on this coaching club program since its inception, you know, and you know, I'm right there with you. The ups and the downs, but what my skill is, what my gift I think is, is to find out what's a systematic way to overcome that challenge. Because I know, I'm going to be honest, I'm having a problem with whatever, and I'll tell people that I've got a problem with this, but you know what? I came up with a system that helps me to overcome that. Let me share that with you. And that's pretty much my whole model of teaching the business, is that it's a systematic approach that can be replicable, which means that if one person can do it, so can somebody else, which is, which is great, which is, which is exciting to see that so many firms take my systems and they make those SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. So the, the seven-step daily motivation ritual, imagine this. You're about ready to make your calls. Write this down. The first one is this, your UCBG, your ultimate career building goal. Step number one, you want to imagine that ultimate career building goal. Just write that number down. And the number I always say to help you come up with a realistic target for that is this. If you could perform at your peak performance level every hour of every day and you knew that you wouldn't burn out, what would your goal be? What do you think you're truly capable of? That's your ultimate career billing goal. The next one is this. So you, you take that number. Now you visit the future. You go to the future, to the point in your life where you see that you have actually reached that goal. So we're closing our eyes. We're taking a trip to the future. Now, this isn't any sort of hocus-pocus. This is, if you've ever played golf, Jack Nicklaus always said, I never hit a golf ball that I first don't see go in the hole in my mind's eye. We're pre-playing that future. So we take that number. 
and we go to the future and we imagine ourselves that we just closed that. Tip number three, or step number three, all senses involved. And then I say this, I say, once you go to the future, you want to get all of your senses involved. Your sense of sight, you see the result of your goal. The example I always use is, say, let's just say you're on a trip to Tuscany as a celebratory trip with your family. You're walking down the field with your sweetheart, you're holding hands, you see a grape, you pick it off the vine, you feel the dew from the morning still on it, you feel that water just roll between the tips of your fingers. Now you taste it, you pop it in your mouth, you taste that sweet burst, almost a bitter, but a bittersweet taste of that fresh grape. You get your sense of taste. You're walking to the villa that you rented for a week. You see it. This was your goal. You'd cut this villa out and you put a picture of it on your refrigerator 12 months prior because you said, I'm going to hit that goal and when I do, we are going to Tuscany for a week. And it's interesting when you have a visual goal, it's not the material thing or the vacation, it's the emotion behind it. I think by having that goal, it has a tactile feel to it. It's something. Instead of a number, it's something that you can see. When I hit this number, I'm going to get that, or I'm going to take that trip. It's a reward. And it's not necessarily that material object, the car, or whatever it is. It's the emotion behind it. That's what's going to give you energy. That's what's going to give you those reserves to pull you over the edge. Not over the edge. Maybe I should use a different example. Over the hump, over the bump. Over the edge. Don't go over the edge. Step away from the cliff, sir. You get all your senses involved. You're walking to the villa, and it came with a chef for the week, and you, you smell that spaghetti cooking. It's like 1130. It's lunchtime. We're going to have pasta. You hear the chef singing in Italian. You push open the door, you walk in, you see your family and your kids and your kids' friends that came with them on the trip playing board games. You walk over the table. It's 600 years old. You rub it. You feel the grain underneath your fingertips. That's what I mean. How many of you were with me there in Tuscany? All of you were. Your mind cannot tell the difference between something that is actually happening and something that's not real. When you have a nightmare you wake up and your heart is beating, you're sweating. You realize that there is no scary candidate chasing you. It was just a bad dream, but the mind doesn't know the difference. So we're doing the same thing, but in the opposite direction. We're putting ourselves in a place where our mind expects to win because it doesn't know, is this really happening or is this fantasy? It's the same thing. The emotion doesn't know the difference between truth and fiction. You get all of your senses involved. Number four, see successful actions. See successful actions. You want to pre-play your success. What I like to do is scroll through. I like to scroll through my calendar, and I like to go over each one of those blocks of time. I'm making my recruiting calls. I'm going to imagine myself. I'm looking at my telephone discipline tool. I'm imagining myself getting through to those people. I'm, I'm imagining my goal is I want to get three yeses by the end of the day. I want to get two submittals. I'm imagining myself. I'm just pre-playing that in my mind. 
see successful actions. Number five, have a mantra. Tell yourself some sort of a mantra. Athletes use this as a way to pull them through into that state of peak performance. It's emotions is what they're doing. They're changing the way how they feel. I've got a couple that I use. I tell myself this one pretty much every single day, especially in the mornings. Today is going to be the most exciting day of my life. That's when I tell myself in the morning. Sometimes I'll use it when I'm doing the seven-step daily motivation ritual. I've got some others I use. I'll tell you about in a second. But that one mantra, today is going to be the most exciting day of my life. Some of you have heard me talk about this. You have done this, and you have seen a marked improvement in how you produce in terms of cash in. And you know that that mantra is a big part of your success story. You know, you learn how to make placements the first six months of the business, but there's a reason why you're not achieving what you could, and this is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, the mantra. I gave this one seminar to this one group, and the guy said, you know, Scott, I've been in the business for 30 years. I've seen all the trainers. I've seen all the speakers, and I'm getting ready to, to say, oh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. And this is what he said. He said, and that one thing that you said, today's going to be the most exciting day of my life. He said, I've got to be honest with you. He said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I said, you know, you're right. It is. It's corny. I can't believe I'm even teaching people to use it. Today's going to be any day in my life. (laughs) I said, but test it for a week and see what happens to your performance, your production. And he said, okay. And he emailed me a week later and said, I can't believe how much of a difference that makes. This is a business where your success is a byproduct of your emotional state. And this is why I think I'm the only trainer that really talks about that. I'm like the Wayne Dyer and Brian Tracy of recruiter training. Because it's a lot more than the tactics. Isn't that right? It's the emotion behind it. And if you're not managing that, you're not going to reach your, your true potential. The mantra, today's going to be the most exciting day of my life. You tell yourself that. And I know it's stupid. I'll agree. But you know what? We're cash and checks, baby. This stuff works. Some other mantras I've used, and I still use, everybody I talk to wants to do business with me. Everything I touch turns to gold. Those are pretty much the three I use. I tell myself that throughout the day. Number six. So we're still at the before you making calls sort of phase of your day. Number six. See the challenging flow with ease. If there is a part of your job that is scary to you, imagine it going well. For some of you, it's just being on the phone. It's just talking to people. I can relate. See the challenging flow with ease. Identify what that one thing is that you're afraid of. You don't need to tell anybody this, but identify it. Take a moment and imagine it just flowing perfectly. Number seven, feel the emotions. You want to define them by name. I feel excited. I feel ready. I feel at ease. I feel comfortable. I feel prepared to make these calls. Whatever that emotion is for you, I promise you, this will change your production forever. 
this may be the one thing that somebody needs that you're listening to right now. You may have heard me talk about this in some of the seminars if, you, if I've come and spoken with your franchise system or a trade association or wherever. But today's the day I want you to use this to reach your ultimate career billing goal. And it's interesting how LinkedIn and social media is interesting. I'll put a post and somebody's going to, you know, selling is evil. If you sell people, you're uh, in slavery and slavery is illegal or whatever. <laughs> this business is not about the money, but it is. But it's not, but it is, but it's not, but it is. I mean, it, I can't stop that cycle because you've got to have, I think, a money-motivated mindset to be wildly successful. You don't have to, but you won't be as successful unless you're chasing and reaching that income. And the income is not going to give you happiness. I'll tell you that. You can be broke and happier than people that are wildly successful. I, I, there was a, an audio book called Executive Power, and they actually talked about a study that was done comparing the happiness level of lottery winners and people that were uh, paraplegics. And they said six months after the event occurred, between both of them, that paraplegics were happier than people that had won the lottery. It has nothing to do with how much money you're making. You know, my own opinion, happiness is your pursuit of a challenging goal. You are on a path. And I think that's why recruiting is all about the hero's journey, that you will have a conflict. You will have an event that brings you down, and you will find that Yoda. You will find that master that will help you, that will give you the knowledge. And then you will rise up, and you will go through intense character development and finally reach that goal and bring people along with you whether it's your family or colleagues or whatever. If you're not familiar with Joseph Campbell, it's, uh, The Power of Myth is definitely worth reading. It talks about all the stories that we love, Star Wars, Star Trek, all of them. They have the similar pattern of the hero's journey. And I think that's why recruiting is attractive to so many people that have been in it. Because they can see, you know, when it's good, it is really, really good. And when it's bad, it is really, really bad. And you have total control over everything that happens to you because no matter how bad it gets, guess what? You have a choice. This business is a character, a personal, it's a personal development opportunity disguised as a job. And that's why, is it about the money? It is, but it's really not. But it is, but it's not. It's not because it's all about you pursuing that goal. You have got to get your eyes off of the money to grow in your character, and ironically, when you do, then you make more money. So let me read through these again, and I want you to try these after the call today or first thing tomorrow. If you're not making calls, if your candidate pool is gone like mine is because it's a government holiday, do it tomorrow morning. Number one, ultimate career billing goal, UCBG. What is it? Identify it to the penny. Number two, visit the future. Number three, get all your senses involved. Number four, see successful actions. Number five, mantra. Number six, see the challenging flow with ease. Number seven, feel the emotions and define them. And when you do that, you will feel like you are ready to make that next call because you feel like you just made a placement. 
I've got with me on the line Joe Ankus, who is a close friend of mine. He's one of the few people in the industry I respect more than anybody else because he's done it for so long. He consults and coaches and trains and speaks to people in the executive search industry. And every month, he's our guest on our coaching club calls the first Monday of every month. And it's those are the calls that more people tune in because they want to get his content. So Joe's kind enough to spend time with us on the podcast. And he's going to share with us the top three tips for 2016. Joe, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Scott, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, dispensing a little bit of wisdom here as we get started in the new year. Absolutely right. Now, you're busy. You're making placements. You're consulting to search firms. You're training. You're coaching recruiters. What do you see out there in terms of areas that improve, uh, recruiters can improve? You know, what do you think are like the top three tips for this year that a recruiter needs to focus on? You know, I'm happy to share them, and, um, you know, as you and I have discussed, um, the top three tips that, that we'll talk about today really are are probably going to be somewhat of a retrospective to help everybody move forward, which is the, the, the main three categories we're going to talk about today are, number one, client relationships in 2016. The second thing we're going to speak about is candidate relationships in 2016. And the third thing is about you as a recruiter in 2016. So we're going to focus really on kind of a triad today, um, starting with our clients. Yeah, starting with our clients, moving to our candidates, and then actually talking about ourselves as recruiting professionals. What can we do? And I recognize we have about 15 or 20 minutes, so I'll probably spend about five minutes minutes or so on on each topic. and I hope that the listeners, you know, recognize that while some of this material may not sound new, the reality about this business is, is that repetition of proper skills and execution of proper plan is really what enables us to be successful. So that being said, when we talk about clients in 2016, I'm, I'm happy to share some of my, my takeaways on this. Um, the first thing that I recommend is really determine before this year gets too far down the road, is who really are your clients going to be this year? And I'd really like the listeners to take a look at their files and and have the courage, and I stress the word courage, to perhaps let go of some clients that really aren't clients. They they really are a hindrance, or by analogy, you know, it's tough enough in our business. Imagine that they're a little anchor clipped to your belt, and now you're going to unclip that anchor. So mm-hmm. what, do I, what criteria would it be to get rid of a client or transition away from a client? It would be a client that does not return your calls timely. It would be a right. client that won't tell Never you. Never had one of those, by the way. Yeah, no, <laughs> miracle. I, I, you know, I, me, me neither. Um, maybe it's a client that doesn't give you accurate feedback about where they are in their process, meaning you're, you're in a race, but you don't even know who your competitors are. So a client won't give you full 360-degree panoramic view of what's going on with their searches. Many times a recruiter will accept a search from a client, and they just don't even know if the client is interviewing through their own sources, they don't know who the other recruiters they might be using. And many recruiters just accept it as a contingency search without even asking the question of how many other people are in the marathon. 
So in 2016, I would submit to you, if you don't have a 360-degree or at least a 270-degree view of your client's hiring process and that they view you as a valued partner in this search, I would suggest to you that they really don't fall into the category of a client for me. Okay. So let me ask you this, Joe. Let's say a a recruiter is hearing what you're saying, and I've worked with this client on a few placements. How can I move them to that level? What, What do you think that recruiter can do? What actions can that recruiter take to get to them uh, to get them to, to sit in that category that you mentioned. To kind of bolster the relationship. Is that correct, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. To, to, yeah, that's to right. enhance that's right. the relationship. So, so you know, in our business, it's, it's amazing. Um, we're one of the few businesses where close doesn't count. So if you have been a producer for a client in the past, and I actually define client as somebody that has, in fact, hired a candidate through us and, in fact, has paid a fee, okay? I don't want to use the word client loosely. A client is somebody that we have done business with. I want to stress that. But if if we have done business successfully with a client in the prior years and we want to enhance that relationship to a Tier 1 relationship, then what I'm going to suggest is, is, is that you ask the client for that relationship. So how, how might that discussion go? It might go something like this. You know, Scott, this is Joe. I just want to let you know, as part of my planning, strategic planning for 2016, I take a look back at our, you know, our year and our successes, and I'm delighted that working with your firm was, was really one of the high points of the last couple of years. We made you know, X number of placements with you, and I actually would like to propose the idea or possibility of enhancing the relationship such that could we talk about the possibility of an exclusive relationship uh, for your next search? Um, Could we talk about the possibility of a retained search if that makes sense, if that business model makes sense? But basically, you need to ask proactively for what you want. But the trick is, and Scott, I know you'll agree with this, I'm very reluctant to ask a client to change my relationship unless I believe that I have tangibly enhanced the relationship first. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you have to have the substance. Right. I, I want to be able to say to the client, I've enjoyed working with you. We've had success. Here's an alternative business model that I have found works better for both myself and my client, and then explain the concept that, I'd rather work in concert with you rather than run a race against you and explain mm-hmm. that to them. And so I really think that that would be my, my crystallized takeaway for 2016 for all the listeners regarding client development is, is really ask for what you want, have the courage to turn away those who are wasting your time, who do not integrate you into the process or otherwise leave you feeling that you are just, quote, another recruiter, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are probably the, the most valuable things I can give you at this stage of where we are in 2016. Does that, does that make sense, Scott? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So I, you mentioned I think, also things we can do on, on the candidate side. Um, now, the candidate side, again, a little different, 
And for everybody that's listening, whether you're an experienced recruiter or whether you're just starting out in the business, Scott and I have laughed about this over the years. Many people forget that candidates, at the end of the day, candidates and not really clients rule the show, which is that recruiting is really a reverse supply and demand problem. People tend to think, you know, if they've got many, many, many jobs to work on, they're in great shape. And Scott and I both know, at least in our niche, that if we have 10 incredibly placeable candidates, we will open up doors and and close things because the shortage is on the talent side. So in 2016, my top tip for you is free yourself from working on candidates that are marginal at best. Now, when I say that, that's not with a hardened heart, that's not with empathy, and it's not without compassion. But what I'm saying to you is, is when you work with candidates, pick the best, build a credible, truthful, transparent relationship with that candidate, ask them for their loyalty, and then work incredibly hard to try to place them, as opposed to trying to be all things to all candidates, where your relationship is premised on a couple texts or emails and cutting and pasting web bios um, in a very slipshod, haphazard sort of way. You know, I, we call that you know throwing the mud balls against the wall and trying to see what sticks, or throwing the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. I would submit to you, you're better off. You'll place a fantastic candidate, and you'll waste a ton of time. You will never recover from marginal to unplaceable candidates if you don't know the difference. We don't have enough time to go into really how to distinguish them, but suffice it to say, if you can ask yourself honestly, would my client, am I adding value by bringing this candidate worthy of a fee, if the answer is maybe or no, you might want to spend more time trying to find a candidate that you come back with a resounding yes. Yeah. That makes sense? Indeed. Yeah, I, I really it's, think – go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. No, I think, I think you're right because it's you – know, the middle's disappeared. The companies have built up their internal recruiting departments. They have all the technology to find a low-hanging fruit. Yeah, they it, pay it, 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 it's us. true. It's true. Yeah. It's, it, 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 yeah. Yep. You know, it, it's so I want, you know, the takeaway here is just like I said with clients, know when to say no. Know when to refer them to job boards. Know when to give them counsel. Many times, Scott and I both, I know for a fact, have given dozens upon dozens of, of quote, unquote, free hours of consultation to candidates because it's the right thing to do. It's, it, it is part of our overall, you know, if we're going to talk about professional responsibility, yes, there's no reason to be rude. There's no reason to be mean. Five minutes of, of, of helpful advice is appreciated. Um, and as Scott and I both know, the, the, the golden lining to that, other than doing the right thing, is, is you'd be amazed at some of the referrals that can be born of helping somebody. And I'm not saying to help them because you're yeah. expecting it. But, you know, I, I, um, as an aside, uh, this is a true story. And uh, there was a candidate many, many years ago that had called me 
The fellow was going through a very rough personal time. It was essentially unplaceable. But I just, I took some time, and, and we ended up actually bonding over, of all topics, pizza. Um, we, we ended up bonding over pizza. It was the funniest thing. The fellow was from uh, a city that I shall say is known for their pizza. I won't say much more than that, but suffice it to say, we ended up arguing jokingly uh, about pizza. Lo and behold, we hung up. We each were smiling, and I was hungry. But the bottom line is is about a month or two. I, I truthfully don't remember how long ago it was. After that conversation, a phone call came in, and we ended up opening up an office for a law firm, which was a substantial fee. And literally, it was a direct result of the referral from a candidate that was 100% unplaceable at that time. Yeah. So the yeah. takeaway is is be nice, but don't be too nice because your time is, you can't get it back. Scott knows that. I know right. that. We can't get it back. So those are my, my tips on candidates for 2016. And I guess kind of to conclude or, or wrap it up is the third thing is, and maybe out of all of this is the most important, Scott, for 2016, is us focusing on ourselves as recruiters. What are some of the top things that we can do to enhance our own personal practice. And again, mm -hmm. I would say to you, we're really going to come back to the basics here. And I know some people will groan and say, my gosh, why does everybody tell me to be a daily planner? But Scott and I are both daily planners. And I will tell you that it has been statistically proven, it is 100% true, that if you have a plan laid out, simple or complex, before you go home, and you get in the office and start working on that plan, you're going to be more productive. There is no way around this fact. This is reality. So tip number one is focus on you. By focusing on you, it means executing a plan. It does not have to be a plan that is overreaching, over time-consuming. My basic strategy follows a very simple format. The format is where's the, where am I closest to the money, and I work my way all the way down the chain to a send-out. So between closing an offer and a send-out are a series of processes, which we all know about, prepping for interviews, setting interviews, debriefing, following up, etc. But the point is, is have a plan, execute on it. That's number one tip for you. Number two tip is never forget that there is life outside of recruiting. Um, it is important uh, that you take the time when you need to take the time for your own personal growth, development, health, whatever it is. It's okay to take a vacation day if you can afford to. It is okay if you want to, you know, Take 10 minutes at a set, you know, a set time a day to schedule a doctor's appointment. Um, you know, don't neglect yourself. Um, Scott and I know some of the most successful recruiters in this business. The sad part is, is that their personal health, whether it be emotional, spiritual, marital, uh, has suffered. And while their bank account may be huge. Um, their personal, the balance sheet is so skewed that they're running themselves into the ground, um, smoking, drinking, eating, unhealthy lifestyles. 
it doesn't make any sense to be a successful recruiter if you won't have the time or energy to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So tip number two for you and for me and for Scott is balance. Balance. Mm. You can do very well in this business, and you can still have a life. And I would, before this podcast, Scott and I were chatting about this a little bit. We said, you know, when this business is good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it can be really bad. But we both independently agreed, both having prior careers, that we wouldn't trade this for anything because it allows us to be fully balanced human beings. We can balance our work with our personal life. Many, many, many professions, a lot harder to do it because in essence, as a recruiter, we are our own boss. Whether you work for a firm or whether you work for yourself, this is the ultimate industry and profession of personal accountability. Okay? You are always personally accountable. We can't fake it. Um, we either deliver the talent or we don't. There is no, you know, unlike law, which I practiced, you know, there are no settlements in this business. We either get yeah. the ball over the goal line or we don't. <laughs> and we prefer to get it over the goal line. And, and for the record, again, we've all been stopped at the one-yard line. We've all been there. But the beautiful part about it is is you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and literally, and Scott knows this, I don't know any other real profession where every day literally can be the first day of the rest of your career, meaning it's just you can always start fresh in this business. There's always a new candidate to meet, a new client to develop. It, it's, it's a wonderful part about our business. Um, the road does not remain the same if we choose to take a different route. And I, and I love that about this business. So take care of yourself. Balance yourself. And combined with the prior two tips, I hope this motivates you and gives you some concrete guidance to excel in 2016. Joe, you are one of the wisest people I've ever met. Thanks for the wisdom. Thanks for the tips. Happy to, happy to share it. I wish I could tell you I was one of the richest, but I'm not. But <laughs> I love what I do like you do, Scott, and I, I hope the listeners enjoyed that. Well, well, in terms of people reaching out to you, if there's somebody listening, they want to spend time with you one-on-one, -on -one, what's the best way they can contact you? So basically, the best way to contact me is through my assistant. Um, she, does, she schedules all my appointments and consultations. Uh, her name is Alice Perez. And Alice's number is area code 954-349-4428. Um, and, you know, like I said, she, she, is, she is my lifesaver and, and basically coordinates all my training and coaching practice. Um, but that's the, probably the easiest way. My website is www.ankusconsulting.com. And, you know, feel free, you can always run a Google search on me. Like Scott, we have, you know, just plenty of, you know, interesting content, uh, articles, things on the web, you know, and, and by all means, I hope, you know, you take advantage of, you know, Scott's multitude of, of training um, products and, and advice. And, you know, and I, I offer some similar things if you Google me as well. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to a good 16, Scott. And um, I know you are too, and, you know, 
when I get off the phone with you, what am I going to do? Going to go make some make call. call. I'm going to make, oh, it, make it. another that's call. It. So Rock be well. And roll, and thank you again for having me, Scott. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Be well. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time.